Happy Wednesday, folks. Welcome back to the Wag Me Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Nick, after an 11-hour shift, how much energy do you have for this podcast right now? I, I got to say, I am absolutely dead, but I'm going to put on for my city. That's what I do. Ready to rip through the walls and take your clothes off and get naked now. Okay, I did just right, that's hug like a huge glass of cold brew, so I should be should hit me about five minutes in you'll notice like a change in the tone of my voice and i might swear more i don't know articulate clear a little bit Mm -hmm. uh sweat through the microphone all the good stuff exactly so today what we're gonna do is we're going to dissect those who finish the season off a high note maybe they came out of the gates a little slow for one reason or the other but they finished their season far more better than what they began it at and we're gonna investigate whether that player that positive trend is going to continue into the 2023 season or if it was a mere fluke or what our expectations should be for this player next year and we're gonna flip that whole scenario upside down and do the same for those who ended the season on a cold streak is this player on this negative trend to close the 2022 season is there a reason to be optimistic for a turnaround next year, or should we change our expectations for this player to perform worse like they did over the back half of the 2022 season? Is that clear enough, Nick? I think you made it pretty clear. Okay, so let's start with your first strong finisher of the year, and this is your guy. You love him. You would throw your body on the line for him. Who's the guy that you want to mention that finished the season on a high note and there's reason to be optimistic heading into 2023? I would do anything for Najee Harris. That is true. I think he gets a lot of hate um, because of his quote-unquote inefficiency, but he's in an offense. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Quote-unquote inefficiency, 3.8 yards. He's in an offense that's inefficient. The line's god-awful. Quarterback play was getting better, but... I'll give that whole offense hate for being inefficient. I don't care if Deontay Johnson is averaging nine yards per catch and Najee less than four yards per carry. The whole system's whack, but that's not a reason to undermine that player's inefficiency. All right. I I think it gives me enough reason to because I'm a fan. Um, Real quick side note. We're going uh, take a look at our schedule. We're going 14 and three next year. I promise you that. All right, back to Najee Harris. Um, so begin the season, he was just terrible. Three touchdowns from week one to 10. He only topped 13 points twice, and those were both in weeks two and three. And then since then until week 10, it was just bad. And they had their bye week and things ticked up a little bit. From week 11 on, Najee was the fifth highest scoring running back in fantasy, averaging 15.8 points per game that's fantastic that's what you expected out of your first round if not beginning of second round pick um, of the 2022 draft so he did pay dividends at the end of the season but it was probably too late because you spent such high draft capital on him and he didn't get you to the playoffs Um, I feel like that's a situation that a lot of people found themselves in I do think that the Steelers offense improved greatly in the second half of the season especially after that bye week um, Pickett became solidified as the starter after miss after he didn't start for I think the first four games maybe five games 
um, with Trubisky at the helm. Pickett takes over, struggles. He's a rookie quarterback, never played in the NFL. Of course, he's going to struggle. Bye week comes by. They have more time to rest and make the changes that they need to make. And they go on and almost win out, finish with a winning record at 9-8. and eight. The offense looked so much better than it did to start the season. Najee was a big part of that. He got healthy as well. There was a lot of speculation about him being injured for the first start of the season. And that was true. He did have a metal plate in his in his shoe due to his list, Frank. Do I say that correctly? I think so. Okay. So, yeah, that was a big issue for him. That was healed over the bye week. And all of a sudden, Najee goes from averaging 61 yards per game to 75 yards per game and is a top five running back to finish the season. I, I would will, expect that trend to continue in 2023. I will admit that Najee wasn't the whole Steelers offense as a whole was much more watchable over that second half of the season. The run game was much better. Najee hit the 100-yard mark once, had 99 in another game after their bye. Like you said, he was averaging more yards per carry. Where do you think Najee falls in 2023 drafts? Do you think he's on the fringe RB1 range? Do you think he's solidly in the first round? Or do you see him being a mid-tier RB2? Because that's frankly where I see him right now as of January 24th. I see him being... I don't know if he'll be drafted here, but I think that he should be drafted as like a top 10 running back again. I He's too talented to be ignored, and the offense is only going to get better. Like the Steelers have tons of cap space. They're going to improve the offensive line, which is their biggest weakness right now on the offensive end of things. And if they do that, I mean, that it directly correlates to Najee doing better. Um, and that's what you want. I would expect him to be a little more involved in the receiving game as Pickett, uh, learns to be more comfortable in the pocket and not throw it away. Instead, dump it down and gain a couple yards. I really do think that there's improvement coming for Najee, and this next season is going to be good for him. And he should finish as a top 10 running back. I think the way the Steelers' backfield balanced out between Jalen Warren, nice change of pace back, a little more electric and quicker than Najee. And Najee, the in-between-the-tackles guy that is going to have a lot of broken tackles but not many yards. I think that dynamic is going to continue to be a very integral to the Pittsburgh offense. And yeah, I can see a world where Najee rebounds from this year. You know, he finished as RB 14. So it's, he was close to the top 12 running back as it is. I could see him rebounding solidly into the top 12. I kind of like Jalen Warren for flex appeal, especially in dynasty leagues. He's someone that I would like. You know, Najee, very youthful back, touched the ball over 380 times his rookie year, over 310 times this past year. High volume guy. He did have somewhat of a foot issue injury this season. He could be someone on, on a radar long term that becomes an injury prone player, thus opening the door for Jalen Warren to have some good dynasty value right now. Yeah, I don't think Jalen Warren should be ignored. Um the guy is talented. He's just in an offense that doesn't score a ton of points. As of right now, I do expect things to improve, as I said. But until he's able to really usurp uh, some kind of role, if Najee goes down, he's not going to be like super valuable, I wouldn't think. There's just not enough touches and enough touchdowns to go around. All right, that's enough Steelers talk for the next month. Uh they missed the playoffs, buddy. So I'm going to rub that into your open wound still. We should have. 
Go ahead. We should have been in. We should have been in. You you would have lost way worse than what Miami did. Case close. Just let it go. Go ahead. All right. My strong finisher to the 2022 season is Jared Goff. Since week 10, Goff has a touchdown to interception ratio of 15 to nothing. Make it 324 passes since his last interception. Still an active streak heading into 2023. That is the fifth longest streak of all time. From weeks 12 to 17, Jared Goff had five multi-touchdown games, including three touchdown outings. He was a top five quarterback over that stretch, which included fantasy playoffs. So he he was performing at the right place and right time. Averaged 21.3 points per game over that six-week window, churning out four weekly finishes inside the top seven quarterbacks. Although they weren't very productive, having a healthy Jamison Williams, who only caught one of nine targets in his shortened season, oddly enough, it went for a touchdown, and DeAndre Swift. Again, both of them weren't very productive, but having them in the fold clearly made this offense more explosive. Jared Goff really thrived with all his weapons healthy, even after losing TJ Hawkinson midseason. I think Goff's hitting the peak of his career. He's just 28 with a very talented young skill group. You have Amon Ra, who's emerging as one of the best receivers in the league, entering his third year. Jamison Williams, we're finally going to see him unleashed. We saw his game-breaking speed on display this past year. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams just had a career year, looking as strong as ever heading into year seven. I think this is a fun, talented, young skill group, and I think Jared Goff is going to benefit a lot from it. And fun fact... He led all quarterbacks with 23 touchdowns at home. So there's no place like home for Jared Goff. He'll be a top 12 quarterback next year. What do you think about that? Um, I would I would agree that he would be a top 12 quarterback next year. I it's hard to say because quarterback play was down this year, um, as opposed to previous seasons. So I would I would say if the trend continues, then Goff should finish as a top 12 quarterback, hands down. There's guys like Geno Smith the top 12 conversation um, now. So I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me too much. I do think that this offense is going to continue to grow. They really have fantastic players around them. They have Jamal Williams for the goal line, DeAndre Swift as a change of pace guy out of the backfield. One of the best, if not the best offensive line in the NFL. Um, thank goodness for all those number one overall picks they've had in the past 10 years. Um, yeah, this, the offense is just looking great. They were much improved as opposed to last season. I would expect golf to continue. I don't know what his contra- contract situation is. I think he, I think he signed a four-year deal with the Lions um, when he when he went there two years ago. So I, I do think that he has a couple more seasons as a Lion, and if that leads to an extension for him, then uh, good for him. But, yeah, while he's there, I would expect him to be great. I can't really play devil, devil's advocate to this because I agree with it. All right. You have another running back on hand. First, Najee. Now a guy that you're just head over heels or heels over head, whichever the saying is. Four. Who is that? It's Ken Walker. I do love Ken Walker. That is the truth. Um, I think he's great. I loved him in college coming out of Michigan State. Um, won whatever the running back award is. So I don't pay that Doak. much attention to college. but Doak yeah. Walker. What is it? The Doak Walker, I believe. Oh, okay. Sure. Whatever you say. Um, to end the season, he had three straight games with 100 rushing yards. He averaged 26 rush attempts per game during that stretch. Um, he really finished the season great. He didn't score in the last five games, 
yet he was still a very startable fantasy option, um, racking up 100 yards, as I said, with a couple receptions in there. That's a good baseline for him. If And if he scores, he's going to go off. So he ended with nine touchdowns in his 10 starts this season, which is very good considering he didn't score for the past five, score in the past five starts. So he scored nine touchdowns essentially in five games. Um, he really turned on right when he got right when he took over the starting role and Rashad Penny went down. Um, things fell apart a little bit um, in the middle of that stretch of him starting. They played some tough defenses, San Francisco, um, the Buccaneers, another one that they struggled to get the run game going. Um, you have to understand that this offensive line was starting two rookie tackles, which you don't see often. And they really didn't do bad. And I would expect them to improve. They were high draft capital guys. Um, I really think that he's a top eight running back next season. And I'm taking him as, as soon as I can. I have another pro Ken Walker fact. He carried the ball 48 times inside the red zone. Second most among backs behind none other than Jamal Williams. But yeah, there's hard. It's hard to find a flaw with Kenneth Walker. He's in a young offense, the very young offensive line that has a lot of potential with the running back. A lot of pieces are returning to this team next year, and there's not going to be much shakeup with this unit. And he's going to have the starting role for an entire season. And he really flourished with the opportunities he was given. I don't see I, I see him as a, a first round pick next year. I mean, he performed like a first round pick as soon as he grasped the starting spot. And I don't really expect for Shot Penny to return to much other than a backup role. If he, well, he's gone. Is is he? Is yeah, his contract's up. Okay. Well, you know Pete Carroll, he might bring him back, but regardless, I don't see anybody competing. For Kenneth Walker's spot, I see maybe a third down running back being implemented. It's hard for me to to find a, a way that Ken Walker finishes outside the top 15 backs. Maybe he finishes outside the top 10. Uh, but as things stand, he's someone with a lot of potential. He's probably, I, I would rate him as the number one dynasty back right now. Still just 22, going to come back. We saw him actually be able to receive. I mean, he, he was active in the receiving game. That was something that many thought was flawed on his tape and a concern heading into the league, but he, he put rest assured to that. Yeah. I, I got nothing really. I, I can't find anything wrong with Ken Walker. I'm really pleased with how he performed this year, progressed as a runner. And I think the future is bright for him. Yeah. He had 20 plus carries and uh, seven of his 10 starts. Super impressive. Uh, can handle the workload. He didn't see third down roll. That was mainly DJ Dallas or Travis Homer. Um, pick your poison there. I would expect him to usurp a little bit of that third down roll. I think a lot of that um, third down responsibility falls on a guy that has more trust in the offense. And I think that, I mean, as a rookie, he wouldn't have that trust yet. I I do think there's a chance that he takes over that role, which would hopefully lead into a little more receiving work for him. But knowing Pete Carroll, he might just want to take or give uh, his number one guy rest on those third downs when he may not be needed. So, yeah, but again, I completely agree. I I would take him over a lot of running backs next year. Some may find it outlandish, the names that I would take him over. I have a guy that 
we as a fantasy football community are not talking nearly enough about, and that's Keenan Allen. He spent the majority of the season on injury reserve. Week one, he went down in the first quarter. I think it was a hamstring. Is that what he dealt with? Okay. But his 2022 season really isn't getting talked about enough. He was the wide receiver three over the last eight weeks of the season. He topped 16 and six of the last seven games, including four 20-point games in his last six weeks. Keenan led the league with 60 receptions after returning from injury in week 11. If you extrapolate that eight-week span where he was healthy and done with his hamstring injuries in and out, over you extrapolate that eight-week period over a full 17-game season, these are his season totals. 128 receptions, 1,434 yards, nine touchdowns. He was on pace for career highs in all receiving categories and a wide receiver finish to the season. He turns 31 in April. Mike Williams will be back and healthy. What are his expectations in 2023? I, I, I've heard the Keenan Allen is getting old uh, statement too many times over the past couple of years. It, he's not showing it on the field, and he is Herbert's number one target, uh, great chain mover kind of receiver um, with big playability as well. I mean, he, in week 18, he had eight for 102 and two touchdowns. He can get it done in the end zone too. Um I, it's hard to put a pin on him because when receivers get old, it kind of happens out of nowhere. All like, look at Adam Thielen last year. He was, he was great. He was like just Adam Thielen, the guy he's always been. And this year he's just kind of non-existent um, having a few games here and there. I don't, I think Keenan Allen is another level of receiver than Adam Thielen, of course, but I, I'd, I'd be, I don't know if I want to say I'd be worried about the age thing. I think he's fine. He looks fine. I would be taking him over Mike Williams again. I don't know about you. Um, I prefer the guy who's going to get receptions as opposed to the guy who's going to have four catches but could break one for a huge touchdown. I, I, I'm head over heels for Keenan Allen heading into next year. He's going to be someone that in dynasty leagues, owners are getting worried about getting left holding the bag. They're going to try and get him off their hands over the offseason and not deal with his his age, frankly. I mean, he will turn 31. That's usually when we see receivers decline in their 30s. But really, I'm not worried at all. What he did over these last eight weeks proves that he's still an elite receiver. He was getting this. Let me just read off his stat lines from week 11 to week 18. Five for 94, 80, eight targets. Scored a touchdown in week 12. Week 13, six for 88 and a touchdown. 14 targets. 14 targets in week 14 again. Nine targets week 15, 14 targets week 16. I mean, he's still the guy in Los Angeles's offense. And even with a new offensive coordinator, I don't see him losing that role. I mean, I think him and Mike Williams are each going to secede like they did last year. And this year, in the limited fashion that they're on the field together, they both seceded. I'm not lowering my expectations at all for Keenan. I think he's going to be firmly inside my top 15 receivers once again for 2023. Who do you prefer, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, if you had to pick one? Keenan. What he did this year was the best vintage Keenan Allen. Can't even say vintage. I mean, he was the best mold of himself. He was on pace to finish as a wide receiver four this year. Wide receiver three over the last eight weeks of the season. I mean, this isn't 
eight games isn't a small sample size. I'm not looking at the last three games of the season and saying, oh, Keenan had like a, a really good series of games to close this season. No, we're looking at a half a season right now. And what he did over that time frame just proves that he's still the player that we think he, he was. Always been a slept on receiver. Um, let's move on to our poor finishes, guys that really might have started the season better than we thought they would have or as we thought they would have and then kind of fell off near the end of things. Um, I'm going to go with my first guy, Michael Pittman. Um, didn't top 75 receiving yards in a game after week six. Uh, started off the season great um, in week one, actually. Started off great. And then after that, this offense just fell apart. Matt Ryan couldn't get it done. He wasn't the answer. The offensive line was worse than we expected it to be. They didn't have a run game with Taylor on and off the field. Uh, and then throwing Sam Allinger into the mix and uh, Nick Foles even. <laughs> It was just not good for Michael Pittman with inconsistent quarterback play. Um, he became touchdown reliant, and where he was drafted, that is definitely not what you want from him. Um, I do expect him to fall a bit in ADP next season, but depending on what happens with their quarterback situation, things may change. Derek Carr is a it's, – it's the Jets or the Colts for Derek Carr, and if Derek Carr is a Colt, Michael Pittman is going to be back up into the top 12, top 15 receivers drafted, I would think. Would you agree? Yeah, I would say maybe even higher. I mean, we saw Derek Carr can hyper-target the shit out of a wide receiver this year, and Pittman's a big frame. I would be worried a little bit about Jonathan Taylor healthy, though. This offense has shown that their bread and butter is the run game, and they're going to trust JT. If he's healthy, they'll lean on him. Um they're going to him in the red zone. They're going to him on first and second down. He's that good of a running back that they're able to. I I do like Michael Pittman, but I don't think I could take him as my wide receiver one where things stand now, um, assuming the quarterback situation gets better. If the quarterback situation stays the same or gets worse, I don't even know if I'd trust a rookie coming in like a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young. I don't think I could trust one of them to warrant taking him as a top 15 receiver. I will be one of those owners that's going to buy the dip with Michael Pittman. He's just 25. This was his third year. It was a weird season for him. I mean, he's he had a career high 99 receptions off of 141 targets. If you told me that heading into the season, I'd be hot damn. He's a top 10 wide receiver, but that didn't happen. I mean, he was very inefficient, less than right around six and a half yards per target this year. Uh, not efficient whatsoever and he was super inconsistent like you mentioned but i don't see the quarterback situation remaining stagnant they're gonna do something they have to do something whether it's Derek carr whether it's oh imagine zach wilson goes there <laughs> then what do we do but um anyways like i think the situation is going to improve he's a very talented receiver I mean, he had a game where he caught 13 of 16 targets, 134 yards. Week one, nine of 13 targets, 120 yards and a touch here, touchdown. I mean, he had games where he was a de definitive wide receiver one. Um, so I'm going to look at it as just inconsistent pieces around him. Not really his fault. The loss of Jonathan Taylor impacts an offense pretty much on its head you know flips it upside down 
he he's that integral to their attack. So yeah, I, I I'm expecting a strong rebound for Michael Pittman. I do you think it pivots on the quarterback situation though? Oh, it definitely depends who's going to be thrown to him. If it's someone like Zach Wilson or maybe a rookie not named Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, I don't I don't know. I I don't think I I really want a pass or a receiver for those quarterbacks, but if it's Derek Carr or CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, then yeah, it definitely looks a lot more attractive heading into next year. Somebody's going to draft him even if it's uh Will Levis. Somebody's going to draft him. And All right. I'm going to switch over to my first guy that really just had a shitty end to the season. He's going to be someone that is going to be he he's a big name and we're going to want to draft him high again in 2023 and there's 100 reasons to draft him really high again in 2023. There's a thousand not to. And that's Leonard Fournette. He looked legit after the first 6 years this or 6 weeks this year. Top five running back, averaging 19 points per game. He caught 23 out of 24 targets and found the end zone four times from weeks four to six. From week seven on, though, his season just plummeted. He plummeted down the leaderboards. No other way to put it. He was a RB 28 over the last 12 weeks of the season, averaged just 11 points per game. He had just one 15-point game over that stretch and began to take a backseat to rookie Rashad White who averaged 16 touches per game over the second half of the season. You know, he, he as he grew more comfortable in that Tampa Bay offense, he increased his workload. Leonard still remains a preferred receiving back in this offense. Tom Brady likes his veterans. He had, Fournette had 29 receptions in his last five full games, excluding week 18. He, he played like five plays before sitting out for the rest of the game, along with the rest of the Bucks offense. But how long for how long will he remain the preferred receiving back? He's 28. He averaged just three and a half yards per carry this year. He really, I mean, he, he wasn't efficient at all. When you're talking about inefficiencies, he he ranked as one of the worst. I think he was 40th best with that three and a half yards per carry mark. He's also likely to experience a quarterback change, and he now has a second year backup that's up his rear for playing time and Rashad White. A lot has to be determined with that this Tampa Bay offense. I feel like Tom Brady's going to do something. He's not going to stay. But share your thoughts, Nick, on where you see Leonard Fournette finishing in 2023. I, if I don't know who's going to be their quarterback next year. I really haven't seen any reports on who they might be looking at um, if Brady is to be traded, which he is going to be traded. Um, it's It's hard. I don't even think I'd want, like, Chris Godwin on my team if Brady's not the quarterback like we don't know what they could bring in maybe they bring in Derek Carr that changes things then I'm high on Godwin and Evans um but when it comes to Fournette and Rashad White I I I don't understand why they hate Leonard Fournette in my opinion watching them play I thought Fournette was the better running back than Rashad White I mean the guy was a low draft capital guy for a reason Leonard Fournette obviously aging I He's 28 now. Uh, I'm assuming he'll be 29 by next year. Maybe he'll still be 28 and turn 29 in the season. It doesn't really matter. Um, he's used in the receiving game, as we saw towards the end of the season. That wasn't really Rashad White's role. I I, I really can't say because Brady loves his his dump downs. Like I, if if it's not Brady there, I don't think you can trust either running back. That's my that's my final verdict. 
Fournette has the fourth most receptions since 2019. Only Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler have more. But I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't think Tom Brady is going to be the quarterback. And I think Leonard Fournette is going to be completely irrelevant in 2023. He might uh, be a PPR flex guy, kind of like J.D. McKissick, that's going to catch four passes a game. I don't care. I don't want him on my team next year. I think he's going to fall off the scale here soon. We we saw a decline in usage and efficiency this year. I think it's a very dangerous slope that he's approaching. Something must be said about that offensive line, though. It is awful. Um, Brady had no time in the pocket. He was one of the quickest releases on the season. Um, I think they gave up the fewest sacks though, this year. I, I think so, too. One, because you can't touch Tom Brady or you get kicked out of the game. And two, he threw he got rid of the ball almost immediately. Like, that's why Fournette had so many catches and Godwin, the same thing. Like, he was getting rid of the ball before these guys could get five yards away from the line of scrimmage um, because the offensive line was just that bad. Third fewest yards per attempt. Yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a team. Yeah. All right. Another, another guy for you. Same division. All right. Yep. Same division as you. Um, I'm going with another receiver, a rookie receiver, Chris Olave. I'm not arguing against Olave's talent. I think that he, it's debatable who the best receiver out of this draft class was because, I mean, there's Jahan Dotson, there's Garrett Wilson, there's Olave, there's George Pickens. Um, it's going to be hard. It's hard to tell right now who the best pickup in this class was, but Olave was definitely one of the best. Um, and then through the first nine weeks, he really showed it. He had he was averaging nine targets a game, five and a half receptions, 77 yards per game. Uh, didn't score a ton of touchdowns, not really his role. That was more Jawan Johnson's role. That guy just ate up every red zone target they had. Um, we also saw Rashid Rashid Shahid be <laughs> be, be the uh deep threat on this offense, the really the the change of pace guy. Um, which was interesting because I don't think I knew his name before the season started. Um, but with Olave, if it's similar to Pittman, it depends on the quarterback play. I don't think Andy Dalton's bad. He, he shouldn't be a starter. He should be the best backup in the NFL, um, but he shouldn't be a starter. I don't really know what was going on with Jameis Winston. I thought that he, he might have been better for this offense, at least offer some boom or bust to the offense where instead of just stagnant, quarterback play which they had the majority of the season with Dalton um even if Winston's throwing picks at least he's taking the shots and they'll result in some touchdowns occasionally um but uh, Michael Thomas is going away he, he they're they have made it clear that they're not going to be bringing him back that helps him I guess we only saw him with like two games with uh Michael Pittman this year anyways so we don't even know what they would have looked like on the field together it's hard to tell how this is going to turn out. I do think that I'm taking him as a low end wide receiver too, as things stand now, if Dalton stays the quarterback, but if they can get an improvement at the quarterback position, which I don't think they can because they have no cap space. I think that um, things could definitely look better for Olave going forward. I think the saints are really screwed. I mean, they don't have a pick until the 40th overall this year. Their quarterback situation is bleak. They have two veterans that, are good backups, like you said, but they're nothing more than backups at, at this stage in their career. 
I can see Alvin Kamara getting traded, liquidated for points or picks, excuse me. And maybe that's where they get their starting quarterback from. But oh, you know what they should do is um, the whole thing with Sean Payton. They hold rights to him. So they like you can't have Sean Payton as a coach. You have to true. trade for Sean Payton. And he <laughs> would require at least one first rounder. True. In fact, I heard they wanted like the Denver Broncos first round pick through 2026 or something crazy like that for him. <laughs> Which, who knows, you you could see that happen. But yeah. as things stand right now, I don't see Alave really getting a quarterback upgrade this year, or at least not much of an upgrade. But, again, he's only 22. This is his rookie year. He had one of the best rookie years of recent memory, over 1,000 yards, very talented player. He had the third highest air yard share in the league, counting for nearly 41% of the Saints air yard yards I think he's a very talented receiver, um, and he he was in, inconsistent throughout the year, but he did have great games. He topped 100 yards three times, um, only four trips to the end zone. That offense as a whole didn't perform that well. But I think career-wise, Chris Olave is safe. He's going to be a great asset for dynasty teams. He's going to be one of the best receivers throughout this decade. But next year might be pretty silent, might not be a thousand yard year, might be Andy Dalton throwing him ducks again. Who knows? Uh, You labeled him as a low end wide receiver, too. Yeah, you're going to stay with that. And that's where he finished this year. I mean, 25, like just outside of wide receiver, too. So, yep, I I expect him to finish somewhere around the same. I, I don't see him taking a big sophomore year leap or really taking a step back from where he performed this year. Mm -hmm. All right. Last guy I'm going to mention another wide receiver, another guy that oozes talent. uh, But you know, he, he had an interesting year to say the least. That's Marquise Hollywood Brown getting awarded the Houdini of the year for six weeks of the year. Hollywood was wide receiver five consistently producing great games. He averaged seven catches, 80 yards, and a half a touchdown per game. Again, he was a wide receiver five until he broke his foot. That halted Brown's career year, forced him to miss five games. He returned to a hot DeAndre Hopkins leading the offense, or the receiving crew, rather. And then Kyler Murray went down with an ACL injury in Hollywood's second game back from his own injury. Between his own injury, Kyler Murray's injury, and the return of DeAndre Hopkins, all of them contributed to the fizzling end to Hollywood season. He was the wide receiver 58 from week 12 on, averaging less than eight points per game, zero touchdowns, and only one catch over 20 yards over his final six games. Granted, he was receiving balls from Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley. McSorley. Yep, Penn State proud, baby. You know the song. Everybody who's followed. Come on, of course. Followed, yeah, throw it on a dime. Anyways, Nick. I have one question for you with Marquise Brown. Who should be drafted first, him or DeAndre Hopkins? Well, isn't it? I'll answer that in a second, but isn't it? I thought it was like fairly well known that Hopkins is going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's likely to be traded. Yeah. But let's let's throw that out the window. If they return on the same team with Kyler Murray, 
maybe missing the first couple weeks, but going to be the quarterback for most of the season next year. Who you drafting in a vacuum? Um, how old is DeAndre Hopkins? One second. 30. He 30. Is okay. Um, I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, averaged more targets per game than Hollywood, even when Hollywood had the field to himself to start the season with Hopkins on, sus- on suspension. Um, then Hopkins appears out of nowhere and just volume hogs everything, red zone target. I'm taking Hopkins. He's just the more talented guy. Although it's it's like a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin kind of thing, like the, one of those offenses that has two great receivers, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. Who do you want? I think I want the guy who is listed as the number one. So Hollywood was on pace to finish as a wide receiver one throughout the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. And then his second half, it was day and night, his season. What do you think we see next year? Do we see someone who struggles to find his footing in Arizona's offense, not really producing a whole lot? Or do we see someone that is consistently great at demanding high volume, leading the team in targets, leading the team in receptions, being very efficient with his opportunities? Uh, Because we we saw both ends of the spectrum. Where do you think he's going to fall next year? I think that he's a top 20 receiver for sure. I would probably go to say that he's a top like 14 receiver, not a not a wide receiver one, but a fairly mid to high end uh, wide receiver too. I do think that Hopkins remains the number one receiver in this offense if he stays there. If Hopkins is gone, uh, I don't see any reason not to take Hollywood as a, as a wide receiver one. Definitely a second round pick. Um Kyler Murray is going to need to throw to someone. It's not Greg Dorch. It's not Rondale Moore. Um, I don't know what their coaching situation is going to turn out to be, but I it can't be worse than Cliff Kingsbury. So I, depending on how we, with Hopkins there, Hollywood mid to high end wide receiver two. With Hopkins gone, Hollywood locked in wide receiver one. I like it. I, he's just 25. He's been an excellent receiver, frankly, since making the league. Game-changing speed. Doesn't really get showcased enough with him being the chain mover. But he's a guy that I, I'm not concerned with his fluttering finish to the season. I think it can be that burden can be pushed more so on his quarterbacks than his own fault. Uh, yeah, I, I think Hollywood's due to progress in 2023. I'll have to update that stat I had about him in the offseason where he had 29 of 43 games with eight plus targets. Um, oh, he crushed it. Definitely I mean, better now. Yeah, it's probably insane to look only, at. Only three games without eight yeah. plus targets. Pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. All right. Is there anything you got? I mean, I, I know for one that I didn't work 10, 11 hours today like you did. And I still find myself misspeaking at times. <laughs> In fact, that probably wasn't even the right word to use there. Anything else you have before we send you on your way tonight? I do not have anything else to add. Um, just make sure you pay attention in the offseason. Changes happen. There are things to pay attention to. Um, but I guess you don't really have to if you just listen to the podcast. We'll do it for you. Hell yeah. And, oh, you're listening to the podcast isn't sufficient enough. Right. You should really right. be visiting wagmefantasy.com and subscribing to our newsletter. There, you get the whole nine yards, and you can listen to our podcast supplementary. Those two things combined are going to make you invincible, like uh, 
like a uh, action figure, a Superman. superhero. What what would be a good anomaly there? Something invincible. Uh, uh your cousin. <laughs> how about how about Chipotle and the <laughs> facilities? You know, every everybody sure. see where I'm connecting those dots. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, follow us. Connect with us on our socials at Wag Me Fantasy. Visit our website, wagmefantasy.com. Catch up on reading. See what we have to say on there. Otherwise, I'm done bullshitting with you. Can't wait to speak with you next week. Uh, I am serious about the content. Just have a very sarcastic demeanor and crude sense of humor. So I apologize if you don't like it. Um, but you're going to have to deal with it. Right, Nick? Yep. Sorry. It's uh, part of the package. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Any recommendations, please leave them. Uh, in the comments or visit us on one of our social medias. We'll get back to you. In the meantime, take care, be healthy, and we'll catch you next week. 